Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. When the NBA Cup is on the line, it's chokehold time. I felt really good about what I did there. Hardy har har. I still can't laugh without coughing, <coughs> as you hear. But, you know, every day I'm getting a little bit, a little tiny bit better. Welcome to the show officially now. Technical difficulties are uh, uh, in the past. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Super busted beginning to the show, but we're going now. I'm at Dan Bespris over on social media. I hope you guys will find me over there. I hope that you guys find the title of today's show uh, mildly amusing because we had ejections. By the bowlful last night. And we'll probably have suspensions. So buckle up. Because the next few games for some of these teams are going to be a little bit on the weird side. Hey, take a moment while you're here. Not that this is the worst time to ask for it after an absolutely terrible start to the show. But if you like what you think you're about to hear, please hit that like button. Subscribe, whether it's on YouTube, traditional channels. That goes a long way towards... Uh, continuing the growth here at Fantasy NBA Today and at Sports Ethos. And also, again, come find me over on social at Dan Vespers. Let's talk about some of the games yesterday. It was a busy Tuesday. It was an NBA Cup night. Everybody keeps calling it the NBA in-season tournament, but they did actually give it a shorter name you can use. It's called the NBA Cup. So that's how what we're going to do. Indiana got their sweet, sweet revenge on the Philadelphia 76ers, who've been very good so far this year. Philly's 8-2, and two, tied for the best record in the Eastern Conference. Half game back of the Nuggets for the best record overall. But guess what? The Pacers are 7-4, and four, and they're fun as bleep also. Listen to some of these numbers the Pacers have put up lately. So Indy took about uh, five, uh, three, three, four games to get their offense going. And then starting on November 3rd, Four games? How many real season games was that? Four games. Because they played the the Wizards in the very first one. That one almost doesn't count. But, oh, you know what? Just look at what the Pacers are scoring. You don't need, it doesn't matter when they figured it out. So far this year, in the 11 games the Pacers have played, they've put up 143, 125, 105, because apparently they were on Valium for that ball game. 104, because the Celtics just manhandled them. 121, 124, 152, 134, 126, 126 again, and 132. That's awesome. You want to talk about fantasy value? That should be the absolute easiest place on earth to find it. And yet, Rick Carlisle, good coach though he may be, is not good for fantasy value because there are three guys on his team that have an inside track to minutes. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton, who with his ridiculous game of 33 points, 15 assists, seven boards, and seven three-pointers has moved himself into the number three slot in nine category leagues right now behind just Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Anthony Davis, ahead of Nikola Jokic somehow, even though Jokic is averaging 30-14 and almost nine assists. Like, that tells you the popcorn numbers these guys are putting up at the top of the board. It's absurd right now. It's actually out of control. Uh, Miles Turner, who fouled out in 19 minutes because, because Joel Embiid, who went 17 for 17 at the free throw line yesterday. Somehow he's... Like, how is Embiid number five? He's putting up 33, 12, and 6 with two blocks, a steal... 51% from the field, 87 free throw line, and over a three-pointer, and he's fifth. The top of the board right now is so crazy. All right, I'm getting sidetracked here. Jalen Smith got hurt two and a half minutes into the ballgame. Miles Turner fouled out 19 minutes into the ballgame, which allowed uh, Obi Toppin to play 37 minutes, and he was good in his 37 minutes, but there's absolutely no guarantee that it happens again. And every time these types of things happen in Indiana, someone's going to yell at me on Twitter or in the chat room here during the show that I'm not high enough on player X from the Pacers. It happened with Benedict Matherin a couple of times when he had two good games in a row. Since then, he's crapped down his leg two times. It's happened with Aaron Neesmith. Since then, he's crapped down his leg like four times. It's going to happen with Obi Toppin. We know what the Pacers are. 
They are three guys who play minutes, Halliburton, Miles Turner, and Bruce Brown, and everybody else is just biting at an apple, and whoever gets their teeth into it on any given night is the guy that actually gets to play a little bit more. The guy we want to play a little bit more is Jalen Smith, and he had been trending up before getting hurt in this ballgame. We'll keep an eye on him. He had, prior to this one, obviously, been able to put up fantasy numbers in only like 19 minutes of ballgame, which feels somewhat unsustainable. But you're not adding anybody on the Pacers. You're not adding Obi Toppin because we know damn well he's going to play 22 minutes in the next ballgame and the whole thing is going to get flipped on its damn head. Philadelphia. DeAnthony Melton time has arrived. Dude finally hit more than 30% of his shots in a single ball game. Leaps tall buildings in a single bound. With one good game, he has pushed himself up into 14-team territory. But the beauty of Melton is that his minutes are at 28. Remember I said he needs 28 minutes to be fantasy successful? He's at 28 minutes after this one. 1.3 steals, still possibly on the rise. 36.5% shooting from the field, still on the rise. No Kelly Oubre for a very long time. That's also very good for Melton. Uh, Nick Batum likely comes back and retakes that starting spot from Rob Covington. I like Nick Batum as an ad, particularly in Roto. Head-to-head, he's a little tougher because you know he's going to miss some ball games. This is for personal reasons, but he tends to... If he has to play 30-plus minutes a bunch of games in a row, he usually does end up getting hurt for some number of weeks and then kind of has to ramp his way back up again. But Melton, this is why we kept calling him a tough hold because eventually you knew it was going to click. Batum is the other guy on this team to add. The fact that Covington was terrible in his chance to try to steal some minutes only makes that, that Batum suggestion, Roto suggestion, a little bit firmer. Miami beat Charlotte 111-105. Haywood Highsmith had seven defensive stats, but I, I can't get myself over the hump with Highsmith. I know he's been decent for this team lately, and he's basically taken a job that briefly belonged to Kevin Love, and over the last four games, he's actually averaging 3.8 defensive stats, but he's doing very little else, and I also simply don't believe that he's going to average 3.8 defensive stats over a longer haul. Doesn't seem like a thing that's going to stick, even though he had seven. What I do want to point out is that first, Kyle Lowry had fouls. He got into foul trouble early and just never got going. That said, it does kind of feel like Duncan Robinson chucking up three-pointers is probably the safer fill-in for Tyler Hero because he's going to go out there and he's going to try to do some crummy facsimile of what Hero did, which was score largely. We're also seeing Duncan Robinson take the ball to the cup a little bit more this year because teams are playing him so hard at the three-point line, and he's kind of advanced his game a little. So go ahead, stream Duncan Robinson with Tyler Hero out. I, I think worst-case scenario, you would just get like a bad shooting game. Uh, Jaime Jaquez, 17 points, five boards. Good uh, playing time here, as was Josh Richardson's. Jaquez is the one between the rest of these guys that I'm, like, trying to get myself to buy in on. I just can't get quite all the way there, but it's close. It's close. I, Robinson's the one that I prefer. Lowry gets downgraded here. He and Jaquez are both kind of the, if we have to, type territory. But I hope that we won't have to. Gordon Hayward finally missed a ball game for Charlotte. Is this the beginning of the end? No, probably not. But... Uh, Miles Bridges is also due back, I think, for their next ball game, actually. And that's going to shake things up a little bit. Terry Rozier will also resurface at some point. In the meantime, because there was no Bridges and no Haywood and no Rozier, P.J. Washington took 23 shots. That ain't happening again anytime soon. Like, maybe ever again. So, uh, no. Like, is this... If you're about to ask me if you should be trying to get P.J. Washington, the answer is a firm and resounding no. If you can sell on him, I would take anybody near the top 100 because there's almost no way he keeps this up when the team gets all of their small and power forwards back, and we shuffle along the board. Atlanta beat Detroit without Trey Young. Shout out DeJounte Murray for his 32-10 and 10 double-double. I thought Bogdan Bogdanovich would have a slightly better ball game. He was fine. You know, 17 points, three threes, and a block, basically. That, I mean, that'll get the job done, but we wanted more. We do know that his steals rate is going to come down. He's due to have, like, three or four games in a row without a steal, and this may have been the first one of that. He's still playable, I think, anytime Trey Young is out. 
basically all of these fringy guys, DeAndre Hunter, he was over the cut line with Trey Young out. Sadiq Bey got back over the cut line with Trey Young out. And then the guys that are already good, yeah, I mean, they're fine. Uh, like Jalen Johnson played 36 minutes. You know, he's solid. Clint Capella had five defensive stats. He's solid. Onyeko Kongwu, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, Trey missed this game for the birth of his second child, so he'll be back very soon. But if you get one more game out of the trailless Hawks, at least we now, we kind of already knew what to do, but at least now we have pretty good confirmation on that. Asar Thompson, another five defensive stat game. This time he managed to pair it up with a good shooting night from the field, not the free throw line. He's been a revelation here in his rookie season. Number 43, I still think the defensive stats are coming down from 3.1 a night, but maybe not by that much. I think he's got a pretty good shot to stay inside the top 60-65 this year, even if he does taper off just a little. Marvin Bagley filled in uh, better for Jalen Duran in this one. Last time around, it was Isaiah Stewart who filled in better. I know that they're starting together. Don't yell at me about that. It's just that's the way things are in Detroit. Doesn't seem like both those guys can have good fill-in games, which means we probably should just leave them alone as opposed to taking a shot at it. Killian Hayes had uh, three defensive stats, but he only played 23 minutes. And uh, this is another situation where I had a bunch of people yelling at me that I was too low on Hayes, too low on Sasser. And I was like, guys, half the Pistons are hurt. There's still two more guys out that are relevant, Joe Harris and Boyan Bogdanovich. Now, that said, I do think Alec Burks has legs for this team right now. He came in in 24 minutes. He got 12 shots up. That's as many as most of the guys playing full starters minutes, mostly because they just need him to score because most of this team can't. They got a little bit more help for Cade in this ballgame because he was really bad. Cunningham did have 12 assists but uh, couldn't shoot and turned it over six times. But in general... It's like, okay, Cade's going to go get some points. Is anybody else going to actually have an offensive game? And the one guy they've been able to rely on when healthy has been Alec Burks. So the, the ceiling's not all that high for him, but if his minutes happen to like trend towards 25, 26, he's going to get to do enough offensively to where I think he probably belongs on most rosters right now. Spurs lost to the Thunder in a blowout. Spurs were also sitting a few guys, various nagging injuries in this one. Um, no, I've already forgotten who the hell said. No Trey Jones, no Keldon Johnson. I think that was the two for this one. I think the Spurs are going to tank this year. Everybody was talking about how they were going to make a run at a play-in spot. I took the under for Spurs season win totals, not because I think they're going to be terrible, but because I just don't think they're going to be wanting to win all that badly this is like the ease victor into the nba season and there's just sort of no point in playing him to a breaking point so you're going to get weird games like this injuries real fake whatever you're going to get games like this uh julian champagne played 31 minutes and so if we ever have these two guys missing again he's someone we could at least take an eyeball and peer at Dude did have seven defensive stats and three three-pointers. That feels like something that probably won't happen again. Uh, and this is my eternal beef with the San Antonio Spurs, is that they lack efficiency almost everywhere. Thunder don't. Shea put up a big line in his 28 minutes. This game was over early. Lou Dort did still have two defensive stats, although I do think that the uh, sky will be falling in on Lou pretty soon. Still number 41, but he fell like a whole round with this one bad ball game, and I think you're going to see more of that. So try to get something for Dort if you can. You might not be able to, but honestly, I'd take anything inside the top 80 or 90 right now. And Jalen Williams is a very easy buy low. He's number 109, and he can't get any steals so far. That number is going to go up. And when it does, he's going to jump 45 slots. So see if you can buy on Jalen Williams. I don't know why I didn't put him on my buy low show yesterday. I probably should have. You can probably get him for someone in the 80 range, and I would definitely do that. Magic got blown out in Brooklyn. This was like a, a wave of blowouts in the middle of the card yesterday. So don't read too much into it. Uh, Jalen Suggs briefly left the ball game. As you can see on your YouTube screen, he did return. So don't panic there. Still got his three defensive stats, even if the rest of the night was not particularly good for almost anybody on the Magic. I guess Franz Wagner, you could argue, survived it. 
Points leaguers were okay with Paolo Boncaro's evening, but overall, it was a pretty bad one. Jonathan Isaac played 12 minutes. He is doubtful for their next ball game because Jonathan Isaac is not going to play every day. And this is why people are like, is it time? Is it time? And I'm like, no, it's not time. He's not going to play back-to-backs probably the whole year. And he still hasn't hit 20 minutes. That's the rule on Isaac. If he hits 20 minutes, you can play him. Roto only. Let's keep going. Cam Johnson, 20 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 3 steals, 3 threes. Solid shooting from the field, 7 out of 11. Uh, Missed a free throw. Womp womp. But he's on his way up. Minutes are getting back to where we want them to be. Um, This game was also, like, not a... Like, the the 20-point blowout was a little bit misleading because guys that got their minutes towards the front end of the fourth quarter still kind of got those. Like, you can see Dinwiddie played 37 minutes. Uh, Bridges played 32 and a half, uh, but this game was over somewhat early. There's a few things I want to point out with Brooklyn. First thing is, number one, Ben Simmons is out, and the news came out yesterday suggesting that he was dealing with a nerve issue in his hip and back again. So, and I put this almost verbatim in a tweet, I... I don't want to sound like too much of a pessimist, but I'm just not sure that Ben Simmons plays again this year. And maybe he does. I hope I'm wrong about that. Uh, it just feels a lot like last year where he played and he looked pretty good for like two weeks and then he was just gone like forever. So maybe he comes back, but what does that mean we do with this information? Well, first thing is you're looking at fill-ins, and there really isn't an obvious one. Like, Royce O'Neal played 34 minutes, but Royce O'Neal is Royce O'Neal. You can't... This, this is not a guy you're going to rely upon for fantasy value. Dorian Finney-Smith got the start. I think if he was playing better, he would have done more, and O'Neal would have done less. More than anything, losing their point forward means they need a point guard, and that's Spencer Dinwiddie who had a gigantic ball game yesterday, and everybody's going to be racing out to try to pick him up, I would caution you all, uh, because Dinwiddie is not a good percentages guy. He doesn't get defensive stats. So if he's going to hit value, you're going to need Dinwiddie to basically average like 17-9 and and basically be Dennis Schroeder. Be Dennis Schroeder right now, what he's doing for Toronto. And I don't know that I necessarily believe that's going to happen. But if you want to take a shot at it, I sort of wouldn't break you over that. I just, I don't think it's going to be good enough. Also, Cam Thomas remains out. He will do some ball handling when he gets back, and he'll certainly take some of the shots, 18 of which went to Dinwiddie yesterday. Uh, And, you know, Mikhail Bridges took, what did he take, like 30 shots the game before? That's not going to be a thing that happens when Cam Thomas is in there because he's going to be chucking away. So I like Cam Johnson as a start. I like Cam Thomas when he comes back as a start. Obviously, I like Mikael Bridges as a start. Nick Claxton, they only needed him for 21 minutes here. He's an obvious start. Dinwiddie's the one where you're like, maybe. Call it a speculative ad where Roto, I'd put him on my bench and head-to-head. You're like, come on, don't ruin me in this next ballgame. Here's another blowout. This one, I don't think there's quite as much to take away. Dallas got spanked. They didn't play their guys much late, and they said, whatever, we'll you know pack it up, go to the next one. This was the... Ah, man, I hate when you get the Luka down game because it's, it's so damaging. Field goal percent, turnovers, free throw percent, no defensive stats. Like, it, it's just these weights on him. And Luca basically went from mid-first round to end-first round. One bad ball game was all that took. Because it drove his field goal percent back down to 51. His free throw down, I think he was in the 80s briefly. Now he's at 78. His turnovers jumped up to 4.5, which I'd say, wow, that's terrible. Except um, that's only fourth worst in the NBA right now. Behind uh, Devin Booker, who's only played two games, but we'll get more out of him. Cade is at 5 and Darius Garland is at 4.8. So congratulations, Luca. You don't have the most turnovers in the NBA. At least eight catters don't care about it. 
Um, Kyrie, he'll be fine in the next ballgame. Luke will be fine in the next one. The only thing I'm really watching on the Mavericks, I guess there's two. One is Tim Hardaway Jr., who's somehow been able to maintain a semblance of value against all odds. He's number 97. He's like right on the cusp, but you're still rolling with it until the whole thing comes to pieces, which I can almost promise it will at some point. And then Derek Lively is the other question mark. He was not good enough again in this ballgame. Uh, Dwight Powell is upright, and lately that's been enough, actually. And Lively's about ranked 150 range or so. Um, it, it just, right now, at least, it looks like it ne- he needs to be full starters minutes to have fantasy value, and that hasn't been guaranteed. Herb Jones is back. Herb Jones is back in a big way. Five steals, two blocks, 19 points. He's crushing it, man. Herb Jones is number 28 in nine cat to this point. He's going full Mikhail Bridges Phoenix mode. Obviously belongs on every roster. Must start play. But that's not, I think, what you guys are concerned about. You guys are asking, what, Dan, do you think about Jordan Hawkins and Dyson Daniels? Between the two, I prefer Dyson Daniels because he's in the starting lineup. I like his ability to get assists and steals. That creates a much safer floor. Whereas a guy like Hawkins, who took 17 shots and is playing his butt off right now, you could see it all evaporate if he goes cold. In a way where with Daniels, I don't think that his shot has almost anything to do with why he's in or out of a ball game. It's the defense, so the steals, the actual real-life defense, and then anything else that comes beyond that is sort of gravy. So I prefer to stream Dyson Daniels while McCollum is out. I know that not everybody agrees with me in the fantasy space. I'm okay with that. I play 9-cat. Um, points leagues, you probably want the guy who's going to take more shots, so that would be Hawkins. But 9-category leagues, he's had a couple weeks now to sort of show whether or not he can be a 9-cat guy, and he hasn't been so far. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Whereas Daniels, and the numbers are not going to necessarily bear it out because he wasn't playing many minutes before McCollum went down. Uh, But since CJ went down, and then more specifically, really, since Herb Jones went down, he's been inside the top 90 where Jordan Hawkins, over that same stretch, is outside the top 150 because his shot, he's shooting 36.5% over that range. So give me the guy who has the safe floor here. Portland! No big surprises here. Skylar Mays playing a lot of minutes, getting a lot of assists. Doesn't do all that much else, but that's why he picked him up. He did get two blocks. Where the hell that came from. DeAndre Aiden, not surprisingly, we've seen the steals dry up a little bit after that crazy start, but his numbers overall are still good. This was another solid performance for the uh, Dominating 22-10 on good percentages. That's basically the center you were drafting. He remains just barely a, a late second rounder overall on the year so far. Utah's interesting, and we talked about this earlier this week. Keontae George has changed what that team looks like. Meaning, they have a point guard who's distributing. He only got 26 minutes yesterday because Colin Sexton was playing well, so they ran different lineups. The bench was performing admirably, so they sort of mixed and matched a little bit. But overall, Keontae George is getting Jordan Clarkson the ball in better spots, and you've seen his numbers bounce up because of it. 
I still don't think Jordan Clarkson is going to be a nine-category guy. I know he's had two or three good games in a row here, but we also know that eventually the other shoe falls with him. But he's definitely better, absolutely a points league guy, where he wasn't an anything guy for a little bit there. Uh, John Collins, he's seen an uptick. Some of that's because Walker Kessler's out and he's playing more center. Uh, but some of it is Keontae George, just like he's getting him the ball in spots and Collins is being more aggressive. Larry Markinen, he was being aggressive regardless, so I don't know that it changes his value all that much. We also saw Kelly Olenek have a pretty good game off the bench. It hasn't been consistent enough, much as I'd love to roll with Olenek. I don't think that we necessarily can. But Keontae George belongs on rosters. Uh, Clarkson belongs certainly on points league rosters. You can stream him in nine cat while he's hot, but I, I, I would warn you that at some point the luster is going to come off here. But just overall, and I know they beat Portland, a terrible team, but George has just made Utah a palatable club in a way that Taylor Horton Tucker had no shot to do. Clippers actually competed. Paul George had a huge ball game, so it looks like maybe the Dan Bespris, I think we're going to be able to buy low on all three of their superstars. Comment is probably not Paul George related right now. But you will be able to buy on Harden and Leonard, and you probably can right now. If you want to get James Harden for like 50-60 range, which is basically where he was getting drafted, you could probably do it. If you want to get Kawhi for a 30-some-odd, which is just slightly behind where he was getting drafted, you could probably do it. And damn it, I would. Because Harden came out, he was like, look, I'm not really in shape yet. Kawhi is deferring hard to the other guys at this moment. Ah, that's not going to last forever. At some point, the team's going to be like, oh, right, Kawhi Leonard. He's our most off uh, efficient offensive player. And they'll roll into that, but they're just trying to figure out how the pieces fit. Buy on the guys you can buy on. And uh, Paul George, you probably just have to sit tight because um, he's playing well. Nikola Jokic had a bad shooting game, which is very rare. Remember, he went like three months last year without shooting under 50%. Well, he shot under 50% in this ballgame. Uh, and his whole season now derailed at sarcasm. He's still shooting 58% on the year overall. Um, Reggie Jackson is the guy you're looking at on the Nuggets, 18-3-4, efficient mostly. I think he's just barely good enough to be a play while Jamal Murray is out. Don't expect all that much. I think you're looking at like top 120, maybe 100, but don't look for much more than that. Michael Porter Jr. finally had a quieter ball game, which was a shame, uh, but I'm not worried about it. Uh, what is he? He's like top 80 over the last week. He's still top 50 on the year, and honestly, I think both of his percentages probably go up. So if anything, not that he's a buy low, but if you can get him for somebody who thinks that he's on the way down, then I think I might consider doing it. Minnesota lost Jaden McDaniels two minutes into the ballgame. That was part of that crazy fight where McDaniels and Clay Thompson got tied up, and then Rudy Gobert came over and bear-hugged three guys, and then Draymond Green came over and choked out Gobert. Uh, so Draymond and Clay Thompson got kicked out. Jaden McDaniels got tossed on the other side. It was a wild scene, man. Uh, Minnesota ended up coming back in this game against the Zombie Warriors because once Dre and Clay were gone, it was Chris Paul... Dario Sharich and Pods against the world. And it went about how you'd expect, which is one team took the other one too lightly for three quarters and then woke up and finally beat them late. This is, by the way, why you back teams missing superstars, because the other team never plays hard. So fantasy-wise... There's almost nothing on the Minnesota side. It's very clear at this point that slow-mo is streamer level only. Um, don't worry about Nas Reed. Doesn't play that many minutes, so every once in a while he's just not going to get to play as much. And frankly, he wasn't defending well, so his minutes were worse. If someone got impatient with him after one bad ball game, you pick him up. Because overall this year, Nas has been fantastic. He's right around top 100 value in like 20 minutes per game, and he can keep that up. Mike Conley. 13 points, 8 assists, 3 threes, 2 steals. Dude just steers the damn boat like a freaking king. He's at 11 points, 5.5 assists, a steal, and 2 threes on 51% shooting. He has not missed a free throw yet this year. He's 9 for 9, and he's turned the ball over 
seven times. He has an assist to turnover ratio that's basically, what is he at? Like 53 to 7. So like between 7 and 8 to 1. That is exactly what that team needed. I mean, you want to talk about a perfect fit. That trade helped everybody. Utah got assets. Wolves got the point guard they needed. Lakers got the guy that could create that they needed. That was this incredible moment where everybody was just like, ah, we got it. We got what we wanted. Weird parallel universe type of crap. What about the Warriors? Well, uh, I thought we'd get more assists out of Chris Paul, but then I also realized that he was passing to guys that largely don't really know how to play NBA-level basketball, so maybe I was a bit too hopeful there. Um, you're not picking up the pods, man. You're not picking up Dario Saric, although... Because, like, look, Draymond's probably going to get suspended for the chokehold, but Clay will be back for the next ball game. Meaning, we, like, we've seen basically what this team is without Dre, and it's typically Kevon Looney is the guy you can roll with. Maybe they run Sharich out there, and maybe he gets hot and knocks down some shots, but he really doesn't do a whole lot else. Um, maybe the Warriors have no choice but to... Hmm... Just sort of think this one over on the fly while we're we're talking about it. Um, yeah, leave it where it's at. Some you're gonna pot. Oh, old Brandon Pods is gonna get picked up in a few spots, but then he's gonna get promptly dropped. Um, Andrew Wiggins, man, what a mess! Like the fact that he still couldn't get it going with everybody out. That dude is broken. This is his shot. Ah, well, leave it alone. Leave it alone. I started to second-guess myself, but now I'm going to go back to leave it alone. Xavier Tillman was back for the Grizzlies, meaning that he and Bismarck Biombo and Santi Aldama are all going to be fighting. JJJ actually also kind of fighting for center minutes. Woof, was JJJ bad in this ballgame. He was on my buy-low list yesterday, and Lord, that buy-low window is wide open right now. He's shooting 44% from the field, uh, only 2.1 defensive stats per ball game. You might be able to get him for a top 50 range guy now. Before this terrible ball game, I thought it would have taken top 35 to get him. Now you might, again, might like try someone in the 40s. Try uh, frickin' Keegan Murray. <laughs> try DeMar. Try Mark Williams. You, you, I, I believe that you can get JJJ on the real cheap right now. But maybe I'm mistaken. And you should do it because people are in full panic mode. Meanwhile, Marcus Smart tweaked an ankle in this ballgame. He left early. Did it help anybody? Eh, not really. They kind of ran small. They ran big and rolled David Roddy in there. And Desmond Bain handled some more point. And the Grizzlies are in real trouble. They're 2-9. and nine. I know they're sort of counting down the next 14 games before they get Jaw back. But, I mean, they can't go another 2-9 and nine and expect to have any shot to make playoffs or even play in at that point. Then you start to worry about shutdowns. If they're, you know, 5-15 and 15 coming out of the gate, you likely ain't coming back from that even with Jaw. What happens if guys start shutting down? I think we worry about, we'll sort of cross that bridge when we get there. The best fantasy game on the team, meaning the guy that could sort of leap into value the fastest, is Santi Aldama. He's a floor spacing, pretty big guy. So three-pointers, rebounds, blocks, points. The percentages are what you worry about a little bit with Aldama. Um, but he's the guy that you'd be squatting on if you started to get closer to sort of a shutdown worry. But we're nowhere near that. Uh, Luke Kennard, by the way, also left this ball game. I didn't even notice that at the time. I thought that they were just like, whatever, we're getting destroyed, but he actually had some knee soreness. Uh, and that is also part of what opened things up for David Roddy. There's just too many moving pieces in Memphis right now for me to suggest a streamer on today's show. Wait for their next ball game, see who's in, who's out, and probably we'll just file some data points because you, you really don't want to take a shot in the dark, especially if you're in a games cap situation. 
And for the Lakers, this one was over early. LeBron and Anthony Davis didn't have to touch the court in the fourth quarter. LeBron was done by about the, the five-minute mark of the third. He didn't come back into the game. Anthony Davis left with about two minutes to go in the third quarter. He didn't come back into the ballgame. <laughs> what a line he put up before then. 19-11-5 with six blocks for AD. He's been amazing. Somehow he's only the number two player in fantasy despite .8 steals and 3.3 blocks and 54% from the field and 88 at the free throw line, which, unfortunately, as, as AD tires and the season goes, his free throw percent is almost definitely going to come down. Austin Reeves, I was talking earlier this morning about sixth man of the year award prop type stuff, futures. If you can get in on an Austin Reeves one, I think you've got a little bit of an angle there. But this is also why I talked about why you're not picking up the other fringy Lakers, because when LeBron is in... There's no guarantee that Cam Reddish is going to get to do enough, or Christian Wood. Rui Hachimura did score 23 points, but did almost nothing else in the ballgame. The Lakers are LeBron, AD, D'Lo, Austin Reeves, end, period, comma, quotation mark. Oh, hey, a bunch of you guys joined in while I was yammering about yesterday's card. Welcome! To all those watching live, there's a pretty good chunk of you. Uh, I think it basically doubled while I was my nose deep in, in the book there. Um, please do take a moment to come find me on social. If you're new, if you're watching live, chat room is open, but almost all of what I do is uh, over on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Come find me over there. Please do it here right in the middle of the show because I got things rolling pretty much all the time over on social. Everybody else can attest I spend far too much time over there. So um, definitely come find me on that side. And also, before we take a look at what's coming up on this medium size Wednesday, which may be a thing that we see here over the next little bit because Tuesdays and Fridays are the in-season tournament days, so you'll probably see slightly less overloaded Mondays and Wednesdays as a result. By the way, that's a big win, having a more balanced weekly schedule for streamers and my own brain. And I have two things from Manscaped I want to show you guys while we're here. This is the handyman. I'm realizing my, my uh, show light is illuminating it a little bit too hard, so I'll tip it down so you guys watching can see it. This is uh, about the size of, like, if you stretch your index and pinky figure out apart real hard, that's the size of the handyman. I've really enjoyed this thing, and you guys have seen me. I've done it right here on air, and I'll do it again today. Basically... So I'm someone where I have what I call rogue facial hairs, not because they can steal someone else's uh, mutant powers. That's an X-Men joke. But because I have this uh, pretty traditional beard that comes around the sides and connects in the middle and, you know, neck hair and all that. But I also have about, like, 10 to 15 little hairs that come up in the cheeks. And so I'll just take this bad boy right here on air. Oh, God, please don't turn it too far. I'll just do my cheek. Here, the other cheek. Oh, I'll go down too low and, and take out some of my beard because uh, usually I use a mirror for that. But that's the handyman, man. That's a great, great device. You can get that. You can get the shears. I've got this, the luxury nail kit right here on my desk. I did my fingernails yesterday. Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is just down at the bottom of my, uh, right where my feet are, but I don't want to lean out of view for a minute. All that stuff at Manscaped. God, they do good products there. Stack them up. Ethos 20, Ethos 2-0, you get 20% off and free shipping on your order over at manscaped.com. Ethos 2-0 is the promo code for 20% off and free shipping uh, at manscaped.com. Okay, let's see what we got going on tonight. We can even make this bigger since there aren't a whole giant sheet of box scores you guys need to look at here's what we're watching for on this big wednesday card um uh mavericks Derek lively is the only one i'm really tracking at this point he's the only one where i feel like we don't really know what's going to happen over the course of the year right now schedule stream level but that could change so let's be ready just in case it does the Wizards, they went into hard tank mode in their last ballgame. So what does that mean for the next one? You know, what do we get out of Daniel Gafford in terms of minutes? Because when he's been on the court, he's been awesome. He's number 71 in only 23 minutes per ballgame right now. But that's a number that could go up. 
because his blocks, his field goal percent, his rebounding, all that's been really, really good. But he's been held in check by injuries, foul trouble, and then in the last ball game by Tank, which sucks. Same story in the last ball game for Tyus Jones. He was finally putting up a good ball game. He got held in check by the Tank. He's only averaging 26 and a half minutes per game. That's why I got to hold these guys, because I feel like at some point they're just going to have to get some minutes, and at that point they're going to be fantasy values. They haven't really been, well, that Gafford has been anyway, but we got to get there somehow. I'm also waiting until, because at some point Jordan Poole's just going to snap. So far, he's been sort of holding himself in check. And that's not what we wanted out of Poole. We didn't want a checked Jordan Poole taking 15 shots a game. We wanted Looney Bin Jordan Poole taking 20. I still believe it's going to happen at some point. I don't know when, but points leagues, you want to be there for it. Nine category leagues, he was always going to be totally overdrafted. Uh, Milwaukee, I'd like to know if any kind of consistency for uh, Bobby Portis or Pat Connaughton settles in here now in sort of this non-Jay Crowder couple of months. Raptors, what's up with Schroeder? Was that the start of the dip, or was it just a one-game or two-game-off kind of thing? Uh, I, I, I said it on yesterday's show, I do feel a little bit less dumb. Because when, when Schroeder was going crazy, I just kept thinking like, God, did I really miss by this much on him? And the answer, I think, is no. Uh, I probably missed by a little, but not by, you know, 75, 80 slots, maybe more like by 30, which is still a miss. But, you know, jumping from where I thought he'd be at like 120, 130 to, you know, between 85 and 110 is not as crazy as top 50 Schroeder. And then what about panic on Jakob Pertl? Because I, I got to admit, I'm a little bit worried about the Pertl thing right now. Uh, but I need him to put, to, to put some good games together and snap me out of it because I'm not all that thrilled. Celtics is usually nothing, although we got word that uh, Jalen Brown and Kristaps Porzingis are each questionable for this ball game. M maybe they just figure go in and let Philly get one, not worry about getting clobbered early in the year when you're off to such a good start. Jalen Brown is sick. Porzingis is dealing with some knee soreness. I, like, I, I, they don't strike me as a team that's going to push their guys. And so if they're not there, I mean, if you're missing both of those guys, I got to think that Al Horford plays enough, certainly in Roto, to be useful. And then who replaces Jalen Brown? Is it Sam Hauser? Because he's been pretty good lately. One of the best three-point shooters in the NBA so far this year. And if you need threes, that he'd probably get you a few. Knicks, I'm still waiting on confirmation on what the hell Josh Hart's job is going to be with that team when they're at full strength. Maybe we get it today if R.J. Barrett doesn't have his migraine anymore. Trey Young is off the injury report for the Atlanta Hawks, so presumably he'll be back, and you can go back to your old valuations for that team. That's easy enough. Orlando, I expect a bounce-back performance. I'm not really watching anything all that closely, especially since Jonathan Isaac is likely to sit out the back-to-back. -back. Everything else kind of locked in. Chicago, we got word yesterday, kind of buried the lead on this one, um, that Zach Levine is on the block. That's a that's a big one. And um, I would personally love it if the Bulls blew it up because Zach Levine is going to have fantasy value anywhere he goes. Um, DeMar DeRozan would have value anywhere he goes. Vooch would have value anywhere he goes. These teams that are going to trade for these guys are not bringing him in to play some you know, half-cocked backup role. And then, so you split them all up, you reset their brains, they'll probably be happier somewhere else, and you'd get all these bulls stepping into real roles that they've never had before, like Kobe White, who I'm not high on, but if he's getting full starters minutes and full usage, hell yeah, he'd be useful. I'm assuming Alex Caruso would also be on the trade block, so he's not a guy I'd throw in there, but you might see Patrick Williams, you might get Andre Drummond, just doing a turn back the clock. Hell, why not? I'll go grab 14 boards a game for two months kind of thing. It would be hilarious and fun, and I'd love it. But I don't know that it's going to happen overnight. So you don't have to squat on all those backups. Just be ready to pounce in the event that the Bulls start peeling pieces off and jettisoning them across the NBA. Minnesota, I don't think we'll see anybody suspended on the Wolves, but I guess you never know. They're in Phoenix to take on the now full-strengthed Phoenix Suns. 
Uh, Devin Booker is expected back for this ballgame. Bradley Beal is probable as well. I think it's going to be a little bit clunky and disjointed. You're going to see some very good offensive players make some kind of weird decisions throughout the game, but they'll probably be okay fantasy-wise. I think you you can start them all. Uh, as far as the game goes, I think Minnesota has the upper hand because they're, uh, they know how to play with one another, but it should be a fun one. Sacramento in L.A., Kings and Lakers games are fun these days. Kings always get up to play the Lakers. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is back, so we're only really seeing, okay, you know, how good is Keegan Murray going to get? Like, where's the ceiling here for him this season? And then is Malik Monk, can he do enough uh, basically non-scoring and assisting categories to be a, a full-season fantasy value? The answer right now is probably not, but I wouldn't make it zero. It's not a 0% chance. It's like a 15% chance that he can maybe get some steals going or like get the field goal percent up a little bit. But right now he's a two-trick pony and the nine cat, that's not enough tricks to be a uh, useful pony. Lakers, uh, you just see if anybody sits the back-to-back. I think they want wins right now, so I'm guessing no, but you never know. Cavaliers, Karis Levert's consistency, Jared Allen's minutes cap, and then Portland, nothing really. You know, I, I don't think anybody's coming back for them this ball game, so you probably roll with the same streamers you had in the last one. And now, how many minutes did I leave myself for questions? Six? Well, I certainly ain't getting to all of them. Yowza. That's a lot of questions. While I get to the questions, again, take a moment to please hit that like and subscribe button as I scroll up the board here. All right, let's get into it. Skilly. Thoughts on Harden. Someone dropped him in my head-to-head league. Yeah, you should pick him up. Absolutely. You, I mean, eight teamers and bigger, you pick him up. Should I drop Nas Reed for Batum, Lowry, Olenek, or Duncan Robinson, or Dario Saric? Uh, it sort of depends on what you're looking for, because Nas is your best full-season guy in that group. If you want the quick hit, you go Robinson. If you want the um, good until he gets hurt, it's Nick Batum. But I think generally I'm probably st- sticking with Nas out of that group. Thoughts on Jaron Jackson and Herb Jones. Jaron Jackson is a buy low. Herb Jones is probably a little bit of a sell high, but both are very much starts. Brian says Dre should fight MMA. We know he can punch. Now he can. Now we know he can rear naked choke. I don't actually know what these terms mean, but yeah, that was that was something yesterday. Lively George and Bilal. Bilal, excuse me. Who do you think will have more rest of season value in nine cat roto? I think your guy there is probably Keontae George. But if the Wizards roll into mega tank mode, then uh, Cooley, as we're calling him, could potentially pass him there. Uh, I just, I think I'd roll with George because he's the guy getting good minutes and doing good stuff already. And then all as far as Kulibili goes, you're, um, there's a little bit that's tied to the DeLon. DeLon, that's not right, to the DeLon Wright absence. Mark Williams and Jordan Poole for, or, oh wait, no, Mark Williams and either Poole or Ja for JJJ. Yes. Will Draymond get suspended? I think so. Here's an interesting one. Shining Knight says, I'm at the point of the season when I can identify my team's weaknesses. In his case, it's field goal percent and blocks and a little bit rebounds, in an 8-cat Roto League. What do you recommend in terms of future steps to improve the team? Well, I would not punt more than one thing in a Roto League, and then in 8-cat, you almost don't really want to punt anything. So I would likely take from a place where you feel like you have such a massive advantage that removing a little bit won't cost you that many Roto points, but converting that player into someone who can improve your field goal percent and either rebounds or blocks or both could gain you some, that's the way to do it. So it's all about ROI. You don't have to feel like you're winning the trade from just a strict rank standpoint. You need to win the trade from a roto points gained standpoint. So let's say you're like way out in front of the pack in three-pointers, for example. If you can take away from threes and only drop from first place to second place, you lose one point. But if the guy you get helps you gain a point or two points in field goal percent and one in boards and one in blocks, you turn a one-point loss into a four-point gain. 
So that's the way you want to think this through. Follow-up question on that is, should I focus on the waiver wire and just punt things? No, you, you can't punt multiple things and win a Roto League. It just, it just doesn't work. Like, someone will beat you. You could get in the top three, but you're probably not getting first place. Waiver wire would be useful, um, but if you're really that bad in certain things, you're probably going to need more of an impact guy in them, and that typically comes by trades. My two centers are Vooch and Jokic. Your rebounds should be fine then. Jokic is at, what, 14 rebounds a game, and Vooch is at, like, 11 right now? Where's Vooch? Did he slide back into the 40s? No, he's 38. Yeah, he's at 11. Um, I got to think your rebounds are probably okay, and then Jokic field goal percent should be a pretty good boon there. I think I might focus on picking up a big who's more of a uh, field goal percent blocks big since you've got pretty good rebounds, um, and just getting any other big, even like a seven or eight rebound guy, would be enough to help your team a little bit. Um, so that's that's the way I'd probably lean for your team. couple more minutes here. Which players or range of players should I target with Jakob Pertl? You're not going to get anybody. Or are you talking about buying Pertl? If you're talking about selling Pertle, you're not going to get anything back. you got to wait until he's playing better. Would you prefer... Oh, slight coughing fit. Would you prefer Chet Holmgren or JJJ rest of season? Uh, I think I'm going to go JJJ on that one. Chet's been great. I don't believe he can maintain 50% like three-pointers and 90% free throws. There's some stuff that's coming down for him. And as the season wears on, you're going to see him get beat up a little bit. Uh, so I, 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 I like, Ch I mean, you guys know, I like Chet. He was on the Dan Vespers old man squad as what I'd call like the, the rookie take a shot when I, cause I thought he was going to beat his ADP. I think he falls probably into the twenties, maybe the thirties. I think JJ probably moves past him up into the late teens, early twenties, something like that. Maybe even a little bit higher. Um, so JJJ by a little bit. Zion for Cam Johnson. All right, well, now this person's talking about having a bunch of punts, threes, assists, turnovers, maybe free throws. Uh, in a vacuum, I, I obviously want Cam Johnson. If you're punting free throws, you go Zion. That's the only way in my mind you go Zion on this one. I know it's expected, but with Hayward's injury, how long will you hold a nine-cat head-to-head? I'm going to hold for a little while here because we didn't hear about it being bad. He was, he was a game-time decision who got ruled out, like, what, two hours before? So I don't think he even misses a week with this one. Keontae George or Mike Conley? Give me Conley there. Cade or Kawhi Leonard? Head-to-head. -head. Uh, that's where it's a little tougher. I think I'm going Kawhi. Um, I know that the Cade thing is largely turnovers, but I'm not punting turnovers. I think you can... Like, the damage he's doing in turnovers, field goal percent, is almost catastrophic in Roto, and it's really, really bad in head-to-head -head right now. And and even as Cade gets going, I don't think there's a chance he catches Kawhi on the per-game side. So then you're sort of asking yourself, what about the game's played gap? And Kawhi played in their back-to-back -back because their schedule hasn't been too heavy. He'll get some days off when the Clippers' schedule loads up a bit, but um, I think you see him play in them here in the early going when they have all these two-game weeks and he's not burned out yet. So I go Kawhi. And I'd have gone Kawhi on draft day, too. You guys knew I was down on Cade. I don't like these build guys on draft night. You you shoehorn yourself into, a, into a, a tight fit. And if anything goes wrong, then you're like, what the hell did I do? Nine-cat Roto. Kyrie and Jalen Williams or Jimmy Butler and DeMar DeRozan. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. It's probably Jimmy and DeRozan by a little bit, but that's a fair trade. Somebody said I need subtitles. Yeah, because my mic went off. I know. Uh, this is where my technical difficulties, where we were sorting through the mic thing. Thank you, everybody, for your help on that. We back. Drop Jalen Suggs, Bruce Brown, or Max Strews for Keontae George. Um, I guess it's probably Bruce Brown, but he's number 103. Like, he's been good enough. It might be nobody, guys. It might be nobody out of these three. 
You know, like there's no guarantee that Keontae has top 100 value the rest of the way. And these three guys feel like they almost definitely will. So it's probably nobody. Suggs just got dropped in my league. Should I drop Fultz and make the swap? Yeah, I think I would. Dre really doesn't want to play without Steph. Yeah, that was Rudy Gobert's quote last night. That was pretty damn funny. Rudy was like, I knew Dre was going to try to get himself tossed because he doesn't want to bother with a game without Steph. Nice trash talk, Rudy. You know what? I know everybody hates Rudy Gobert, but that, that crap was funny. And he's getting under some skin with that. Zach Levine or Jordan Poole rest of season? That's Zach Levine. What range of players should I use in a trade for Jalen Williams in 9-cat Roto? If you can get Jalen Williams for top 80 range, I would definitely do it. And anything deeper than that is a, is a guaranteed win. I would probably pay as high as 70 right now. I think you could get him for someone in the 70 range that has some name power, like maybe a D'Lo. I don't think I would give up Freddie Van Vliet because I think he's actually going to be on the rise. And who else is in there? Okongwu probably wouldn't get it done. Maybe Jalen Johnson would get it done. I think I'd rather have Jalen Williams than Jalen Johnson rest of season. That might be an interesting one to look at. CP3 or Markel Fultz? Give me Chris Paul. Should I trade LeBron and Valanchunas for Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam? Yes. Abe Frem says Tice to Clippers. Yeah, I think the Clippers do have a bunch of guys that he's friends with. Is that already locked in, or is this a guess? Yes. Yeah, all right, so that's actually already out there. So he would join the Clippers. That's not a guess. That's real. Um and they need it, basically, because Mason Plumley's hurt, so the Clippers need a backup big, and Tice would uh, would fill that role, which actually makes a lot of sense. I think he I think he's buddies with some dudes on that team. Love your show. It's me from Denmark again. What's up, dude? Would you stream Cason Wallace the rest of this week instead of Jaden McDaniels? Um No, I think I don't think Jaden misses any time. What do you think about a trade with DeRozan for Kawhi in a points league? I think I go Kawhi there. And we're going to wrap this thing up. I went deeper than I than I planned on it. What are your thoughts of the change in value of the Bulls' big three and a half, it, depending on where they go? Um, I think most of them are pretty stable. Vooch is the one I'd be most worried about going to a place where maybe they don't want to play him for, you know, 30-odd minutes. But Levine will get his shots. Tomorrow will get his shots. Kobe White would get a massive bump because he'd be the guy that stays in Chicago. And let me see if there's any questions that I really want to get to here because this is where I'm sadly pulling the plug on it, meaning you guys got to get your questions in early if you want them answered on this thing. Don't don't be late. Uh, a lot of trade questions. Is John Collins a sell high? A little bit, yeah. I mean, he's doing more right now with Walker Kessler out, so he's logging some center minutes. He's number 73. Uh, if you can get somebody around 73, I think I would do it. But I do still think that he has more of like a top 110 floor, so I wouldn't panic sell on him. That's a good question on John Collins. Uh, who else? Are there any other questions that I really want to get to here? Um, Derek White versus Kobe White, rest of seasons. Very much Derek White. Don't panic on Derek. He had a couple of quiet games. He's very good. Would John Collins for Jared Allen work? Yeah, I think that's a good one. Go get Jared Allen with John Collins because uh, at some point, J.A.'s minutes cap is going to come off. And then he's going to smoke him in this one. Um, hmm. People are asking if they should stash Kobe White. I don't think I would do it yet. And what am I doing with Markel Fultz? That's a good question. Um, I'll just do, I got two more questions I want to get to here. What do we do with Markel Fultz, basically? It seems like his knees are falling off. I think you hold him because now he's IL eligible. So at least you can stash him here for a little bit. I'd like to see what he looks like when he comes back and plays a couple weeks straight. But, you know, if that doesn't happen for a while, then yes, he would end up being a drop. And then this other one, which is, Kiara Dan, uh, you and Josh Lloyd say Kyle Kuzma is a sell high. What type of rank should I look for? Oh, I didn't know Josh and I agreed on that, but I'm not surprised because uh, he's smart. I think I'm kind of smart. And Kuzma is very much a sell high because his percentages are already coming down. Uh, free throw has dipped under 80. Field goal is down to 49. That's going to go lower. Free throw is probably also going to go lower. Uh, when that happens, he probably falls back towards the edge of the top 100. But if you can, because he's scoring 24 points a game, there are a lot of teams that would ignore some of those things 
and would fit better on them. So if you can get somebody in the 70 range for Kuzma, who's like, look, I don't care that his you know, free throw percent is going to hurt a little bit, then you can get somebody good. Like, I mean, crap, D'Angelo Russell would be an interesting target right now. I'd rather have him over D'Lo. Freddie Van Vliet, if you can try to maybe package someone and buy low on Freddie, that's a direction I would look. Um, Daniel Gafford, believe it or not, in 9-cat Roto, I would rather have over Kuzma. Uh, who else we got in here? I don't know if I would go John Collins. Maybe OG Ananobi is 76th right now. I doubt you can get him, but I would think about it. Jalen Brown is also down there. Uh, there's a lot of big names you could aim for. You could go smaller game hunting for someone like a Jalen Johnson. I don't think you want Mike Conley unless you're attacking turnovers. You want to take a shot on Jalen Duran, you could think about it. So these are all options there as well. And that is uh, where we'll pull the plug on. An hour and seven minutes, I think that's probably enough. The first five or six minutes was technical difficulties. That's why I wanted to run a little bit over. I'll try to edit that out for anybody that's watching way after the fact, but YouTube doesn't make that super easy. On your way out, I'm hoping some of you hanging out with me today are new. That's the most fun for me. I love new faces. Please like, rate, subscribe, and make sure to get your questions in early because I can't always get to all of them. Um, someday we'll just do a mailbag show where I answer questions for like an hour and a half straight, but that day is not today. I don't know if anybody watched the silo on Apple TV. That was, uh, they did a whole lot of that day is not today stuff. Anyway, some of you are leaving already. So please again, like, and subscribe on your way out. We'll be back tomorrow. I think it's a one show Thursday, but wait and see. We may, we may have something up our sleeves for that one. I'm Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers over on the Twitters. I'm sure I'll see you guys over there. Right. Right. Later for now, everybody.